Welcome to Wednesdays with Winnie, the podcast that covers, well, quite a lot, from fallacies and grad parties to Aquinas, Aristotle, friendships, and even Subway cookies. My hope for you is that you can sit back, relax, learn a little, laugh a little, or a lot, and come away with a lot more knowledge. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. guys and welcome back to another episode of Wednesdays with Winnie. This week we have John Welch who is one of the hosts of Catholic Late Night and is also part of Over TV and he's going to be on the show today to talk about pornography which is a little bit of a of a more silent subject but I think that it's very important especially for people our age to have the resources to deal with this and John is just going to share a little bit about his story his experiences with this subject and I wanted to bring John on because personally this isn't something I have struggled with but I know that it is a big struggle for a lot of people out there and I have friends who've came to me about it and I just want to give this you guys this resource so that if, if this is something you're struggling with you you can look to this, or even if you're not personally struggling with it, I think it'll be helpful to be able to support someone who may be struggling with this. So without further ado, hi, John, welcome onto the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Winnie. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay. So one thing we always do on the show is we have a book recommendation. So do you have any book recommendations that you recommend to the audience? Yeah, there's a couple of them. Um, Spiritually, I would say uh, The Art of Loving God by St. Francis de Sales has been very personally helpful for me. Um, I think that from a sexual addiction standpoint, there's a couple that have been helpful. There's one that I read a while back called um, Breaking the Cycle, and that's a very good one. And then I also read one called Quit Porn and Get Rich, which sounds like a funny title, but it actually is where I learned. Uh, it's where I learned a lot of some of scientific stuff about porn that was very helpful, just just like the way the brain works and things like that. Yeah. Um, so those are some like porn specific ones. Um, and then just in general, um, I think that uh, I think everyone should read books like, uh, you know, The Power of Positive Thinking and, um, you know, books along those lines. I think those are all just very helpful to kind of help you reframe your mind. And then um, another very life changing book I read a while back was uh, called Psycho Cybernetics. It's also another a very good oh, book like that's that. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know if that helps. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Those are great recommendations. So, could you tell us maybe a little bit in your personal journey and experience in dealing with pornography? Yeah. So, uh, I, uh, got into porn when I was nine. Um, I, I have no idea how, I mean, I know more now than I would have then about why I ended up doing that. Um, but yeah, basically it just a Google search when I was a little kid, um, you know, looking back and, and with a lot of the work I've done through my own trauma and things like that, it, you know, it was obviously just a desperate, um, it was really just a desperate cry for help. I was uh, hurting a lot inside at the time and, and didn't know what to do with it. And uh, for some reason, my mind kind of instinctively knew that, that it could find an escape in that world. And I think that also, um, you know, attention and familiarity with women was something that was probably very, um, 
I don't know, relevant to the kind of wounds that I had. And so it just sort of naturally drew me. Um, I couldn't, I didn't even really know what it was that I was getting into. I just kind of wanted this thing. Um, yeah, that's kind of, how I got started in it and, um, you know, fast forward, what, 18 years. And, you know, at this point I'm, well, let me look at the, my calendar here. I am, uh, what's today? August uh, the third, I believe. Yeah. So I am on day 152 clean right now, wow. sober. So that's uh, you know that's a that's big a big, thing, thing. A big deal yeah. for me. It's been a long it's been a long time to get to that point, but uh, yeah. So it took me about 18 years to get to the point where I could go three months, you know, and at this point I'm coming up on six months. So, um, yeah, yeah it's been, uh, it's just been quite a journey. The, the biggest, the biggest, I guess, lessons along the way have just been to understand how the human person works, you know, my own, my own psychology, but also to yeah. really understand God's love and God's, um, forgiveness. And it's just been probably the most important thing in my life since that point, which sounds kind of odd, but it's both been my biggest cross and also the reason why I've become the person I become. So it's one of those things yeah. where, you know, God works in mysterious ways. And I, I know that he has used this thing to make me into the person he needed me to be. Um, and it's even, even being able to say that has taken me a long time to really like understand how that works. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of yeah. how I got here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that it is something that you're, I've definitely noticed in listening to your podcast that is important to you. And I think that it's important that we have people that have experienced this. And I think as hard as it is, God can use that to teach other people. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So what are like some harmful effects of porn and what does it do to our brains kind of when we're viewing it? for yeah. maybe people that aren't as familiar with that. Yeah. I mean, it's odd. It's, it's amazing that we still have folks who believe that watching porn is harmless, right? It's <laughs> yeah. still, it's still, uh, yeah, some still... people think it's like a normal thing and that, yeah, it's yeah. definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, even the folks who will say that it's normal, like, I guess I can understand saying it's normal, but to say that there's no harm is it is a whole other step, right? Because yeah, it's just sure. so widely documented. But like, if you look at any kind of like secular psychology literature, they'll say there's no documented evidence of, of the harmful effects of porn. And it's like, that's just literally a lie. <laughs> yeah. There's many, many documented harmful effects. And not even if like, that's like, there's, there is like studies, but like, even aside from that, just ask anyone who's ever looked at porn, is it harmful? And they'll say, yeah. Yeah. Even if they agree that it's fine, they'll, they'll say it's not good for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's kind of like saying everyone has agreed that drinking 16 Cokes a day is not bad for you. There's plenty yeah. of people who would yeah. do it, but they'll yeah. not tell you it's not bad for you. Yeah. And so it's just very odd, that kind of weird world we live in at this point. But um, yeah, aside from that, there's a couple of main ones. You know, the biggest one is that it really does suck the joy out of your life. Um, the reality is that just like any addiction, but the problem yeah. with pornography is that it is so readily available and free and it's more addictive than heroin. And so you have oh a gosh. drug that it, you have a literal drug, an actual drug that creates a chemical dependency, just like just like a substance that is free. It's accessible any time of day. And we all carry around a little box in our pocket that can get to it at any point in time. And so it's it's just one of those things where it's a it's a it's basically Satan's, you know, chem, it's his chemical playground. Right. I mean, 
yeah done with pornography what he could never do with drugs he's he's crippled the human person with pornography in ways that he never could with alcohol or any of those things and so and the other thing with it too is that you know you can be a highly functioning porn addict right i mean you can yeah. you can get away with it and the amount you know the the devastating effects on your life aren't quite as obvious or pronounced as with some right you know it doesn't looking at porn doesn't leave you you know this husk of a person all shriveled <laughs> yeah. up right but it does on the inside and that's what i think is so important is that you know a heroin addict is going to have a lot of physical manifestations of their addiction yeah a porn addict has those same things it's just it's just inside it's not on the outside and and so you know the the biggest ones are going to be that first of all you're going to lose a lot of enjoyment in life your dopamine yeah. ab your ability to experience dopamine is going to get out of whack you're not going to feel joy you're not going to feel happiness the same way that you would you're going to lose interest in good experiences even just things like you know human ex just human emotion sharing your sharing thoughts with other people hugging friends all these things aren't going to mean anything anymore you're going to slowly close in on yourself um, you know, it creates a lot of selfishness in the way that you look at yourself and look at the world. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of like entitlement, I suppose. Um, and then it, it hurts your brain. So it creates it creates what you could call super highways, essentially. Right. But, you know, that's the saying is the neurons that fire together, wire together. Right. So what happens yeah. is that basically the human person gets associated in your mind with pleasure and with uh, with objectivity. It basically becomes a uh, a. a and for lack of a better word, world word, a tool for pleasure, right? So this doesn't just apply mm -hmm. to the to the humans that are your, you know, that you may be watching in pornography. It applies to every human person. Um, and so, yeah, again, like the idea that it's not harmful is is crazy, and you could get deeper and deeper into it. You know, on the biological side as well. You know, it's most common that pornography and masturbation are very closely tied together. And when it comes to masturbation, you know, again, a lot of people say it's completely healthy activity, but What's fascinating about masturbation is that, uh, you know, there's a chemical called prolactin that your mind actually naturally produces whenever you have sex yeah. with a human person. And prolactin is what's considered the satiation chemical, right? So it's kind of mm -hmm. like says, hey, we're good. Like we've yeah. had enough. Mm -hmm. Your mind doesn't produce prolactin when you masturbate. And so prolact like masturbation literally creates, yeah. it creates depression, like actual depression because you get high wow. and then your mind doesn't say we're good. It just goes, yeah. well, what happened? Where's, where's all and the that's chemicals? And crazy how it's not like addressed or talked about at all. Like the negative effects of pornography, I feel like are pretty well known, but I haven't, I haven't learned about that or heard about that. So yeah. Yep. Again, most people, yeah, most people never know these things, right? They have no idea. Yeah. And people just also don't understand. They're like, oh, negative effects. They just don't understand how this stuff works. I mean, what, what happens when you're, when you get, when you get engaged in watching pornography, you get addicted to pornography is you have dopamine receptors in your brain. And what happens is that as they get overloaded with porn, and they get overloaded by too much dopamine, they actually shrink, they get smaller. So what happens is that your mind wow. actually requires more and more dopamine to feel something. And so yeah. you need more porn and more porn and more porn in order to feel something. And then the more that you shrink your dopamine receptors, the less you experience your everyday life, the less watching a sh TV show or watching, you know, laughing or again, hugging someone, any of these things that are supposed to actually create a feeling of happiness and contentment for us, they don't even have any impact at all. The only thing that we can get that from is pornography at that point. And again, this is how most, yeah. this is how all drugs work. It just depends on kind of what receptors it's usually dopamine. Right. Yeah. But, um, but it's the exact same process and it does the exact same thing and unchecked, um, unchecked a pornography addiction can become unbelievably bizarre and weird. And you get into some very dark places and, um, and it really can destroy a person's life. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, yeah, while other addictions, I think people recognize like, oh, heroin's addictive, but porn isn't seen as something like that. But when you describe like the chemical makeup and the process of it, that really fits in line with that. So it is an addiction that people do deal with. So in your experience, if you do have a porn addiction and want to quit, what what should you do? Yeah. Well, my advice today is a lot different than my advice would have been a year ago. I mean, the first thing is that you need to be able to forgive yourself and love yourself no matter what's going on. So that's the first thing. And I know that sounds kind of trite, (laughs) but the reality is that if you can't believe that you are lovable with your porn addiction, then you probably won't ever get out of it. Um, because that is going to be a massive contributor to your cycle of addiction, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, the program Reclaim Sexual Health calls it um, the avoidance cycle, which is basically, you know, you have a setback, you tell yourself you'll never do it again, you try to use willpower to, um, to fight against it, you end up giving in, then you beat yourself up, then you tell yourself you'll never do it again. And then, and, and that's what you just do that in a circle. And that, that really is, that's, that's the cycle of addiction. And the, the first step to breaking that cycle is to look yourself in the eye and believe that you have value and are loved no matter what in your worst point. And something that was really powerful for me in that was that I started actually practicing when I would have a setback, like in the moment where ordinarily I would, sit there and beat myself up. Mm-hmm. Instead, I started actually asking Jesus to come to me in that moment. Wow. And I realized that because I realized in that moment that Jesus is actually closer to me at that point, right? It, it was a it was an odd moment where I was able to recognize because before I started practicing that and started doing that, my thought was that at that moment I was further from God than I could ever get. Yeah. Right. And it was very interesting whenever I was able to actually see that in that moment, I was actually closer to God than I could ever get because Jesus is closest to the sinners. He's closest to the people who are at their worst points and at their lowest points. That's such a powerful, powerful perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, well, I think that it's, it's necessary. If you can't see that, then, then you can't get better. You can't recognize your worth, right? Like God is there in the bad stuff. He's there in, he's there no matter what, but it's like, if you can't see that God is there, no matter what you do, like that's the first step. The first step is being able to, to believe and say with conviction that no matter what you do, God is right beside you, right? Like you're the one who can turn away. God's never going to do that. Right. And so that's kind of step one for me, if you want to, if you want to get on that process, but the next thing I'll say, because I mean, I could sit here and talk for hours on like, but what I would say is that this is this, this is the technique I started using that has enabled me to make it to 153 days clean or two days clean. Yeah. And that is what I call, I call using contracts. And so what I mean by that is this works for anybody. I started with a 90 day contract, but I was pretty far advanced at that point Mm -hmm. in my recovery. And I trusted myself to do it. You could do this with a two hour contract. But what, what I mean by that is you take a piece of paper and you write down on that piece of paper, I commit to not look at porn or masturbate or whatever the thing is that you deal with chat, chat rooms, strip clubs, I don't, whatever it is. I commit Mm -hmm. to not do this thing for certain period of time. If I do do this thing, I'm going to have these consequences happen for me. I, um, for me, I had to, I was gonna have to sell some stuff that I really love. Um, I tied some stuff with my relationship to my wife to it. Um, and these, and then I also set some, some, um, rewards that I was going to get for doing it. 
Yeah, like kind of motivating yourself. Yeah. yeah, I signed it and I had my wife sign it. And that was the first time I went 90 days in seven years. And then I renewed the contract and I'm now at 152. And so what I, well, I, what I say yeah. that is it's the most effective tool I've ever seen that I've, well, I mean, I kind of like, I mean, I, I sort of invented it. It turns out I've seen other yeah. people have like done it too, but I just thought of it. I didn't yeah. read it somewhere, but I think that instinctively people would think, oh, I can't do that. That's, that's too scary. What if mm-hmm. I, and that's what I'm saying is you can stretch this muscle, right? You can start yeah. with 24 hours. You can start with, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I don't know anyone who can't go 24 hours without <laughs> looking at porn. Right. Yeah. But the point is doing this kind of thing can can it 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 does something to your mind it's kind of odd it just does something to your mind where it kind of takes it off the table because you have to wait the other side with things that are that are too important for you to lose you cannot lose them right and then not only that but you have to also have it that, it, that this is going to get enforced. You have a person that if you look at porn, they're going to take these things from you, right? It's gonna, yeah. like, it's going to, ha- this contract will be enforced. And if you have that, then, and it's not just that, but like when you sign your name to something and you put your stamp on it, you know, it's, it's, it becomes a part of you because you really yeah. don't want to just blow that off. You've, you've said, I, I promise to do this yeah. thing and I've written it down. And so, um, that's my advice. That's my, mm-hmm. that's my most powerful method for making progress. And yeah. again, you can, you can do it. That sounds really practical too. Cause I've heard some people say some things and they're just like a little bit more fluff and a little less like firm and hard, but I feel like in dealing with something as serious as that, you definitely want to address it pretty 100%. hard. Yeah. Well, and I think part of the, here's part of the problem too, is that there's, I've noticed this is an issue. There's a lot of people who talk about porn and, and yeah. most of them are, I would say probably over 40 at this point. Yeah. And yeah. I would say they're probably pretty far removed from it, but also mm-hmm. they grew up in a world where the only porn you could get a hold of was maybe a torn Playboy magazine that you yeah. found in the backyard or something like that. Right. Those are always the stories you hear, right? <laughs> yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't get it on a smartphone. There yeah. Like the touch of your fingertips. Yeah. Right. And so the other side of it is that they almost exclusively would have gotten into porn later on in life, like maybe maybe even yeah. in high school. But let's let's just say for the sake of argument, you know, older than 16, but but in a mm-hmm. lot of cases older than 20. Right. Yeah. And there is a gigantic difference between what happens to a brain when it gets exposed to porn after it's already formed and when it's forming. Right. So if you have someone yeah. who a lot of a lot of people that are porn addicts today, they got into porn at seven, eight, nine years old. Yeah. Right. And then they went through puberty where their mind actually softens their brain, their neurocircuitry actually softens and becomes much more malleable. And then it hardens at the end of that time period. Right. It's the point of it's the point of our lives where our worldview, our worldview is becoming solidified. But we really have this moment where our mind it's it's, you know, it's years long, but this period of time where our mind becomes much more able to adapt and to grow and to change. And then at that point in time, we dump into it some of the most horrific poison you can imagine. And then it hardens around that new worldview you created. And so getting that addiction out is not the same as somebody who started looking at porn when they were 20 and did it for a couple of years and quit. Not the same thing at all. And I don't care what anybody tries to say. Like, if you're going to pretend that it's the same thing, you're already not going to help anybody. You can't. Yeah. And so that's where, because I agree with you, right? I spent a lot of time, like like a lot mo- more than almost all of my life, I've spent trying to like figure this thing out. Yeah. And um, at the end of the day, if you can't, uh, if you can't, if you can't understand like how this thing happened and like how deep it goes, 
you can't give meaningful advice for getting out of it because there's so many people I've listened to or read their books or, and I'm just like, sorry, dude, like (laughs) this is so, this is weak sauce. This stuff doesn't do jack squat for me. Like this thing, this lasted all of 15 seconds (laughs) and was completely useless for me making any progress whatsoever. Right. And then there's also in that whole world too, I found almost nothing that addresses like how big of a part your personal trauma, your psychological problems, your emotional wounds play in this. And all of this stuff is very, very powerfully connected to our wounds and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. With any addiction. Yeah, for sure. So when you, you have a porn addiction, how can you kind of go about telling someone and how can you know if they're the right person to tell about it? Yeah, I guess I would, I would probably answer that with another question. You know, my biggest, my biggest question there would be, who are you telling and why? Um, And then my other question would be, and I guess, should you tell someone if you, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting, right? I mean, I think that I think I would say that I think um, a good litmus test for your progress is your comfort level with telling people. So I definitely, you know, for me kind of, so coming out of the closet, so to speak, which I did probably um, about two years ago is whenever I became vocal about the fact that I was dealing with porn addiction at the time. Right. I always wanted to quit my porn addiction and then I could tell people about it. Right. But I realized Mm -hmm. that that was in fact another symptom of the porn. Right. And then another, like in order to get this thing out of me, I needed to shine a light on it while it was going yeah. on. And so that was a big part of my progress and my um, recovery was again, even just that sense of my own self-worth, right. Of being able to look mm-hmm. someone in the eye and say, I'm a, yeah, I deal with porn addiction, but I can, I can handle that. Even yeah. if you can, because mm-hmm. that's really what it comes down to is that, um, is that other people are people who don't deal with it are never going to understand. They could, they yeah. might to some degree, they might be, they might say, and, and like, I'm not, I don't mean to say that like you, I don't mean like you're being very sympathetic. Right. Um, and I, and I appreciate that very much, but there's plenty of people, especially in Catholicism that aren't yeah. and even the ones who are don't actually know what I'm talking about. They don't actually yeah. understand. They don't actually know what I mean when I say porn addiction, they don't know mm-hmm. what that means. Right. And I feel um, like in Christian culture too, it's like seen as a very shameful thing. And so like, even like if you're a good person and you're going to church, but you have porn addiction, everyone looks at you and they're like, Oh my gosh. And it's just, yes. I think very hard for people to come out and tell people that. Yes. Yeah. I've had high school girls reach out to me and say, I, I deal with porn addiction and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know who to talk to. I know if I told my parents, they would kick me out of the house. And that's probably not true, right? Yeah. But that's how they feel. And that's the, that's the point. That's, you know, I wrote an article on in those Catholic men shortly after I, again, started being public with, with this. And, and to me, the biggest failure of the Catholic church in the last, you know, I mean, there's a lot of them, but one of the biggest ones is just the horrific address, the, just the horrifying way that, yeah. that the faith has addressed sexual sins. Because the reality is that this this culture we live in is hypersexualized to a degree mm-hmm. beyond anything anyone could ever imagine. And the parents just act like it's not. And the priests all just act like it's a, not a big deal. And I'm like, dude, you're 70. You haven't had a <laughs> yeah. sexual urge in 40 years. You have no yeah. idea what you're talking about. Like these kids are hurting. They're so lost. Everywhere they go, there are basically yeah. new people constantly everywhere 
there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when a man, when a boy hits puberty, he has 18 times the normal level of testosterone in his system. A girl has, has 18 or 16 times the normal level of estrogen, right? Like their hormonal yeah. messes, their bodies are just doing all kinds of weird crap. And then on top of that, you have a pornographic culture, just even outside of porn. Yeah. I mean, you just have literal... I mean, it's basically just pornography in general, constantly everywhere all the time. Yeah. And so, yes, I mean, the church should be the most sympathetic, the most understanding. It should be the place where people find refuge, not judgment. Mm -hmm. And that's all that you're really going to find in a lot of scenarios. And I mean, I've worked with a number of priests who have not been that way and that's been great, but Mm -hmm. I've had my share of priests who, who have been far from sympathetic. And I can tell you, it it does not only does it not help, it's very harmful. Yeah. Yeah. It can definitely turn people away from the church when the church really is the place they should be going with this. But yeah. And I don't think I don't know that I answered your question. So, again, like in terms of trying to tell somebody, you know, I think that first of all, you need to understand, like, why. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that I think that children should be able to talk to their parents about this. If you can't, I don't really know what to tell you, except (laughs) that, like, maybe try to find in my experience, a lot of younger priests are very sympathetic about this. So if you you know, if you have a priest who's like newly ordained or in their early 30s. Right. Mm -hmm. In my experience, all of those priests are much more aware of like what this problem really is. And I I worked with a spiritual director Mm -hmm. the last year and a half who was, you know, in his early 30s. Right. And he was. He, he had been through a number of psychological courses in seminary. He was much more aware, like he was very in tune with, with recovery, yeah. that kind of thing. Right. So there are yeah. priests that you can turn to. And, and I'm not, I don't mean to say that none of the older ones do. It's just, I, it's been yeah. my experience that and, oh, there's plenty of older priests that I've experienced that are, that are sympathetic, but again, they, yeah. they just don't, they just, they just don't, don't understand. They're like, put a filter on your computer and yeah. it's like, okay, but oh, that's, yeah. sorry. Like, yeah, you can bypass man. those pretty quickly. Yeah. 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 It just doesn't, it's just, you know, so, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you're going to tell mm-hmm. someone though, I mean, you need to, there's no way to know for sure how they're going to respond, but yeah. you know, I think you can probably usually tell, right? I mean, it's the kind yeah. of thing where we've all got the one parent who's usually a better listener, right? Or the one parent yeah. who's more chill, right? Uh, I would say that, you know, if you're a guy, your dad is almost guaranteed to understand. So if mm-hmm. you're a boy and if you're, if you're, your your dad's probably going to understand better if you're a girl too, right? But I mean, yeah. you know, I would say probably start with dad unless your dad's, you know, not someone you trust. But if your dad is someone yeah. you trust, I would start with them. And I would lead with the pain, you know? I mean, I think that a big problem with it too is, it's heard as this thing where it's like, why don't you just stop? And it's like, you know, yeah. I think that people need to understand what, what it's doing to the person. And I think that's yeah. a big way to help soften that blow. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that another thing that's very powerful is I think that it needs to get out in the open more. And so I think that young people, I'm not sure who your audience is, but I think that young people, um, and really anybody, but like just being more open in general about these things, I think would be very yeah. big. And I've had people, I've had young, I've had high schoolers write to me and tell me that they all have kind of had these conversations, right? And maybe half of them mm-hmm. are dealing with it. And it's like, that's a huge thing. If a group of yeah. teenagers can get together and be like, hey, we're all dealing with this thing. Like, how can we support each other? That's huge. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's a yeah. hard question to answer. It really mm-hmm. is. I would say you, you need to be able to trust somebody. Um, and if you don't trust the people around you find someone you can, yeah. um, yeah. <laughs> seriously. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess going off of that question. So if someone does tell you that this is something they're struggling with, what is the best way for you to respond kind of to that situation? Yeah. I mean, I would say that the, the, 
the best thing is just to reassure your love. I think yeah. that, you know, there, there's a, there's, there's a lot of, I don't know. It's so hard for people, I think, to understand the difference between supporting and like helping, right? Like these yeah. are completely different things. Like the first thing is to just know that you can't, you can't do anything. So mm -hmm. just accept that reality, right? Like okay. just accept the reality that you can't fix this thing. You can't change it. Yeah. And, you know, there's also a weird place you can end up. And I, you know, I don't want this to get off too, too much on a tangent, but you know, there's a weird place you can end up where someone can say like, Hey, I, I, I want your help with this or, Hey, I'm struggling with this. Yeah. But you know, understand that you may hear that from someone 10 years before they quit porn. Right. Yeah. Right. They, they might tell you that. And that might be the start of their journey. Yeah. They, they might never quit porn. Right. Yeah. So you have to, you have to understand that you just have to know what you're working with. Like you, like your love yeah. has to transcend them ever getting over this thing or them ever not, you know, it never, it ever not being a thing in their life. Right. And yeah. so I think that that's just the first thing is that you have to just kind of make a commitment to yourself that you are not going to, you're not going to let this thing, um, like you're, you're not going to make it a problem, right? Yeah. And, and I'm not, I don't mean to say that if you have someone in your life where, you know, they end up kind of like bringing you down or making it a problem yeah. for you that you have to keep them around. I don't mean that either because yeah. I mean, this is an addiction and sometimes mm -hmm. really unhealthy things can happen in it. And it's all like for, for, a, for a person who's trying to support someone, they always have to take care of themselves first, right? You got to put your max yeah. oxygen mask on first. You can't let someone who's dealing with an addiction of any kind um, drag you down with them, right? So, yeah. But I just mean to say that just understand in, in that scenario, mm -hmm. in that relationship, that the best thing you can do is tell them you'll never stop loving them and yeah. then try your best to walk the line between support and encouragement, right? Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. my, my business partner, my former business partner, um, you know, he kind of gave me a little bit of a kick in the pants. You know, we've been, he's known about this for years, right? We've been going on, yeah. and, on and on about it. And mm -hmm. well, you know, it was actually something that helped me kind of get into my, the first contract that I wrote for myself. But, uh, you know, he kind of asked me, you know, something to the effect of, you know, what, you know, what would, what needs to happen? Like what, what is it going to take for you to stop this thing? Right. Yeah. And, you know, he and I have been best friends for a long time and, that's a thing he could say to me. But the reason I bring that up is just because some like there is a there's there is a place for, you know, questions. Yeah. There is a place for how are you going to make this better? Right. It's not mm -hmm. I, I don't mean to suggest that the that you should that people should just be like, oh, you know, let me know if you need any help. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. If, if someone's come to you and said, yeah. I've got a porn addiction, you know, my first response would be, well, what do you want from me? Right. Because yeah. I, I'll say, I love you all day long, but I'm not here for you to tell me how bad it is and for yeah. you to not do anything to get out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's, yeah. that's the worst thing you can do for somebody. Right. Like, yeah. yeah, I love you and I'll be here for you, but like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be your shoulder to cry on for the next yeah. 10 years while you never, ever try to make this better. And sometimes somebody's best is barely better than the worst. In fact, I think that's usually how it is, but you can, always tell right there's a difference yeah mm -hmm. um yeah i think you can I, see if someone's like genuinely coming to you because they want to quit or they're just like oh have some sympathy for me right but i think exactly. that it's important yeah to come to it no matter what position they're in with like a spirit of understanding but knowing when they're actually trying to get help and when they're just yeah yeah yep 
Yeah. So in like relationships, is there a certain time you should ask your boyfriend or girlfriend if they're dealing with this or should you, or yeah, I guess kind of speak. Yeah. That's a really good one. I I don't know that I have a good answer for that. Yeah. Um, But I would say that if you're, I would say there's a couple of hard and fast rules. If you're a man, you cannot propose to a woman if she doesn't know that you have a porn addiction. Okay. Just, I I would say that man or woman, you cannot get engaged to somebody if they don't know you have a porn addiction. Can't do it. Mm -hmm. That's, I I would say that's probably, I mean, I might, this might be heresy, but I would say that's probably (laughs) grounds for an annulment, right? If, if someone gets married and you don't know that they had a porn addiction, it's probably grounds for an annulment. Um, because I think that would be the case for any addiction, right? If someone was an alcoholic and you didn't know that, right? I mean, I, it's harder, it's harder to not know with something like alcohol, right? But I've known people where that's the case. They got married and on their honeymoon, they're like, what the heck? You're an alcoholic, you know? So I can't imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. But you know, so my point is, you know, I think those, uh, so you can't get engaged to somebody if they don't know that. Okay. Um, Yeah. I would say that it's probably a safe bet. Let's just go ahead and put this out there. I think that if you're dating a young person, it's probably an 80% chance that they're looking at porn if they're a guy and probably a 60% chance if they're a girl. So I would just assume that they are until you learn that they're not. That's just like my first step is I would just assume that the person you're dating is looking at porn if, unless you know that they're not. Yeah. Um, and so like, if you're starting from that perspective, you know, I'd say probably, you know, I don't know, three months into the relationship. I mean, I, I think of dating differently than most people think of dating. And if you want to yeah. know how I think about dating, listen to my, the, our Catholic late night podcast, you know, me and Patrick are pretty, um, we're yeah. pretty, <laughs> pretty vocal about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I don't think that you should date people if you're not trying to marry them. So, yeah. um, I think that by month three, you should be at the point where you're going, yeah. okay, I like you like we're, we're now actively discerning marriage at this point. So at that, like, so at that point, it's like, what's, what are your skeletons, right? Like, what do I need to know? Um, so, you know, I mean, my wife knew that I'd, cause I had, I had been in kind of a sober period when I started dating my wife. And so, Mm -hmm. and then it kind of came back later on, but she knew that I'd been in dealing with that. And then when it came back, I just told her, right. So like my wife had known the entire time we were dating and all of that. And, uh, and so, um, you know, I, I think being honest is always better than not being mm-hmm. honest. I don't know what you'd be waiting for. Right. I mean, if, if you're yeah. but again, right. It's one of those things where it's like, you're not gonna, on the first date, you're not gonna be like, Oh, by the way, I, I'm a porn addict. Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> right? yeah, hopefully not. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's a little, a little weird, a little but much, I think that yeah. as soon as, as soon as there has been any kind of understanding that like, we're now actively looking at like the rest of our lives, like this is, yeah. like, it's like, okay, once you get over that hump of like, mm-hmm whether or not you like this person. It's like, okay, I like you. And it's like, all yeah. right, well, I got some weird stuff. You probably got some weird stuff. Um, yeah. You know, what are, what are those things? Mm-hmm. And I, so that would probably be my, my advice. Yeah. on that. Well, that's good. Yeah. Thank you. Is there, like, I know that this is something that women in particular struggle with, but when I, at least in past relationships, when I've heard that this has been a problem is like I tend to think of it as kind of a reflection of me, but I know that that's not usually the case. So what would you maybe say to women who in particular are being told this being told, told their boyfriend has a porn addiction. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that the most important thing to understand is that it's almost guaranteed, not their fault. Yeah. And actually, let me take that back. It's not their fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, unless <laughs> yeah. they were like 25 and just decided to start looking at porn, it's not their fault. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the number one thing. The number two thing is that the last thing that's on any freaking guy's mind in this scenario is that he's doing it because his girlfriend isn't enough. So, like, I get yeah. that that's, but like, I honestly, like, that one really just, it's like, 
I can't help you with that one, right? Like, yeah. I, can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't make that okay. not be in your yeah. head, but like, that's not going on. Okay. Right? It's yeah. just, it's a, it's not, it's not going on. Yeah. There's I think that's important. That a, yeah, there's nothing that a woman nice. did yeah. to make this thing happen. It's almost guaranteed to be because of wounds and damage from childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and all you're seeing is a real life manifestation of the human condition, right? So yeah. I don't mean to make light of it because it's not, but at this point in time, it's so widespread that like your chances of finding a guy or, a, or a girl, like, I'm not joking. I mean, I, I know, for, I know people, I know plenty of girls that have a porn addiction. I mean, your chances of finding a spouse that is not at least dealt with this at some point in their life. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't, if you haven't whatsoever, right. Like you're what I would consider to be an anomaly, even in the Catholic world, maybe even especially in the Catholic world. Right. And so, um, you know, if that's your expectation, I would just say lower it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Bring it down because you're almost guaranteed if you're trying to marry somebody in the world today, you're almost guaranteed that they're either actively looking at porn or have dealt with it in the past. And so I think at that point, it's important to just understand that it's basically a wash at this point. Right. And it has nothing. It's all of the boomerisms about it are complete. (laughs) It's not, it's not some perverted thing. People, these people, they're sick, but they're not sickos. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, you, you just have to under, you just have to see it for what it is. It's an addiction. It's not somebody's fault. They didn't do it to themselves on purpose. They don't, they don't love it. They don't wish that they, you know, they, they wouldn't rather have it than you. Like it's none of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big problem too. We think of, I feel like we almost view porn as this like terrible, awful thing, but we don't view like going out and hooking up at a party as something is bad when they're both, both very problematic things, but we just, we don't recognize that enough. I feel like, but but both of them are sins, but still we're called to kind of love people in that. And I feel like sometimes we lose that when it comes to porn, which I don't know why, why that's so common, but I think it just has a lot to do with, you know, I have some theories around, you know, just the Puritan roots of America, but it has a lot to do with just the sexual repression that kind that, that, that went on historically in our culture. And I don't mean that in a cliche way. I mean that the way that the, that the way that the Catholic church has helped people understand their bodies for the last Mm -hmm. hour, and this isn't the Catholic church's fault. It's the fault of people within the church who have either misspoken or intentionally misled people, right? But the way that the church presented sexuality for a long, long, long time created a whole lot of really messed up ideas around the human body. Right. Yeah. And those don't just make it hard to forgive someone for sexual sins, but they also are what's creating a lot of them in the first place. Right. And so just recognizing that, yes, you're completely correct. I mean, not even just that, but I mean, like if you look on the list of the seven deadly sins, right? Pride's at the top. Lust is near the bottom, right? Like I don't mean, right? Like it is a little weird. Like I get that there's a part of it where it's like, yes, there's the relational aspect, right? So it's like, I'm Mm -hmm. in relationship with this person. And now I feel like they're like not in relationship with me because there's like these other people that are involved, Mm -hmm. right? But at the same time, you wouldn't think that if it was alcohol, you wouldn't be jealous of alcohol, right? So that's why it's so important to understand the mechanism that's going on here, what's really occurring in the scenario. Um, But also just just recognizing the fact that like, the sex, like sex, the fact that it's a sexual sin doesn't make it worse. Like, yeah, it make yeah, exactly. More disgusting or any, yeah. it's just another manifestation of our brokenness, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a man, like a, technically speaking, a man who who is super, like this is the point that I think is important to get across. The man who sits there and says, look at that porn addict who can't get out of porn. What a, 
what a filthy man. I've never looked at porn. That man sins yeah. greater than the porn addict. And that's important yeah. to understand. Yeah, that is really important to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Especially going back to pride. Like we can't look at people and think, oh, they have this sin, but I don't have it. So I'm better than them. And I right. think that that's something I've tried very hard to do because I don't, I don't personally struggle with porn, but these people, like I am, I'm also a broken person. <laughs> we're, we're all broken people. We need God and his love and mercy to get through our brokenness, but we're just broken in different ways. So I think that that's, that's very important to yeah. recognize. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Well, I think that that is all of the questions kind of that <laughs> I wanted to ask you. Sorry. There were kind of a lot. No, but, it's fine. I love talking about this stuff. Yeah. I'm really glad you could come on and do it. I think it means a lot to my audience and to me that you could. And at the end of every episode though, I kind of ask people for a Bible verse. So do you have any Bible verses that you would like to share? It doesn't have to ha do with this topic or if you just have a favorite one. I yeah, hundred really percent. I'm gonna forget yeah. the exact quote, so I know. Let me I'm search it because I'm I'm a, I'm a good Catholic, so I don't know the Bible. <laughs> let me let me just make sure that I get it right. Okay. Yes. Oh, and while you're doing that, is there any place that we can find you or like on Instagram yeah. or? Yep. So we're on Instagram at, at Overt TV and we're on YouTube. Uh, our channel is Overt TV and Catholic Late Night is our podcast on Spotify. So, yep, yes. you can find all of our stuff there. And okay. then, uh, yeah, so um, here's the here's the full verse. It's Philippians 4, 6. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Instead, in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, tell your request to God. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. <laughs> That's been something the specifically the last line. The, I, I just I find myself thinking a lot about the piece that surpasses all human understanding. Right. And it, there's different translations. Yeah. of it, but There's there's one that says something effective, the piece that surpasses all human understanding. And mm -hmm. because it's one of those things where, um, you know, it's it's just so easy when you deal with something like porn addiction to get caught up in your own head and to and to just lose sight of God. Right. I mean, yeah. even whenever you're praying and you're trying and it, because of those forces we've talked about where you feel so much shame and you so much doubt mm -hmm. and you just don't believe that you are lovable at all. And just recognizing that, like, Jesus offers peace, like that's what he is. And when we're when we're dealing with something like porn addiction, like God's the only place you're going to you're going to find that like it, the yeah. thing that you're seeking is God, like the peace that you're seeking, the freedom from pornography, the the deep abiding peace is God. And so I think it just helps to keep that in perspective because it can you can start to feel like, where is God? And is he even here? Does he even care? Is he helping me with this at all? You know, and uh, and so that's just something that I would always keep. I, I've always kept that very close in my mind. Yeah, that's very powerful. Well, thank you, John. That was a really good episode. I think it'll be a very necessary and important episode. So I really appreciate you being on here. But Absolutely. thank, thank you. you, Winnie. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wednesdays with Winnie. I would really appreciate it if you could leave a review on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on just to let me know how I'm doing. Anyways, God bless and see you next Wednesday.